thanks for tuning in this week to Cross Connection Church Houston. We're a small church plant located in the Pasadena area. It is our mission to save the lost, to equip the saved, to serve both the lost and the saved, and finally to send the equipped. To this end, we teach through the Bible on a verse-by-verse basis, starting from the beginning of a book and working our way through all the way till the end. It is our prayer that you would grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ through his word. God is asking the non-Christian to understand the knowledge of who Christ is, acceptance of his person and work, and trust in Christ alone to save. That's right. So how do we mix those things together in one gospel presentation? Now, many of you may have um, a method, you know, that you use to share, you know, Christ. There's many methods. Who has heard of any methods out there to share Christ? Romans Road. That's right. Bad News, Good News. Bad News, Good News is a great one. Very good. Yeah. The bridge illustration. I got saved by the bridge illustration. The Lord used that in my life. Um, but there are many other methods, if you will. That's right. Evangelism Explosion. There's many others. And we have called the Wordless Book for children. You know, that's a method. Show up, Chris. Raise it again. Yeah. Not the colorless book, but the wordless book. <laughs> the wordless book. There's many methods that are out there that people say, well, my method, that's it. You know, if you use any other method, you know, you're just using the wrong method. Some people say, well, me- having a method, it constrains me too much. I have to be free, you know, to 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 let the Spirit lead me in this area of evangelism. And that may be true. I'm not doubting what the Lord can do in a person what the Lord's asking a person to do. But for many of us, generally speaking, for the majority of us, I believe we need a method that we can use to share Christ. Now, as I'm going to share with someone today, you'll see that I'm not looking at my booklet. Over the years, I've learned to give it. And it, it'll... You'll see as you follow along in the booklet, it's almost word for word. Now there's added stuff that I want to put in there. I'm not constrained by a method, but I use these guidelines because I want to make sure and hit these certain verses and these certain things of communicating a good, clear gospel message. And so I'm going to use the bad news, good news approach, sharing with someone that talks about those two things that we've just previously talked about. Christ died for our sins and rose from the dead and communicating to the non-believer what he must understand, which is to have knowledge of who Christ is, acceptance of his person and work, and trust in Christ alone to say, I'm going to introduce you to the method. I actually think having a method, you know, people say, well, it makes you impersonal when you, it makes you sound robotic when, when you have a method, you know? And yeah, if you were just sit there, read it off, you know, read it off, read it off, read it off. Yes, it would probably make you sound very rehearsed or robotic or whatever the word may be for it. You know, we have to learn this. We need to learn this, especially you guys going over to Africa. You have to learn this. You can't read it off. Now, you can have helps in your Bible. And we'll, Jaime and Molly will talk about those things as you go through some more training. But for what we're going to talk about today, we're going to just go straight through it. And I say that you should learn this. You should rehearse this. 
you should get in front of a mirror and you should say this this bad news, good news that I'm going to introduce you today that is in your booklet. You should say it over and over and over again until you know it. It's just like what you used to learn or what you're learning in school right now. What we used to learn in school, you know, you would have to say it over and over and over again or you'd have to use cards, you know, or however you, your art of learning is, you know, you have to do it so that when you get to test time, if you will, or you get in front of a person, you know exactly what the answer is or you know exactly what you're going to say when we share the good news, the bad news, good news with a lost person, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think it helps make you personal because I know me and I know people that have seen many over the years that having a method does make you personal because you know exactly what you're going to say. After you get through that greeting or after you get through that time here where you finally get the opportunity to share Christ with someone, the opening comes, you know exactly what you're going to say. There's no, but how am I going to share this with one? It's the simple gospel message. It doesn't change. Even if you go from Romans Road to the bad news, good news, to evangelism explosion, to the, the um, um, bridge illustration, Essentially, they're all the same we're going to talk about. We're talking about sin. We're talking about how God dealt with sin and what God is asking you to do. And we're going to use Scripture along the way. So at the top of page 6 there, you'll see. How to present the gospel. If you're going to be consistent and clear in evangelism, this is where I'm at right here on this page, page six. If you're going to be clear, consistent and clear in evangelism, you must have a basic method you can use to present the gospel. That method will help make you more confident in talking to others about the Lord. Knowing how you're going to present the gospel, you can relax, enjoy the conversation, turn it to spiritual things, and clearly explain the gospel. Before you do, our booklet says, and I'll take five, let's just take five to 30 minutes getting to know the individual. Take five to 30 minutes getting to know. Write that there. Getting to know the individual. Now let's take two different scenarios here. This five to 30 minutes getting to know the individual. For here, Larry Moyer, who, if you ever heard his story, this Larry Moyer, the man that the Lord used to develop, Evantel. Uh, it's an evangelistic organization in Dallas and developed the bad news, good news, and this you can tell it. He had a, peach in, a speech impediment. Peach impediment. Like that. He even talks a bit like that. Um, uh, when he was younger, that he could not communicate clearly at all. He prayed one day, Lord, He's raising a Christian family. Lord, if you take this away, Lord, where I can talk to others, I will spend my life talking about what your son did on the cross. And he and he tells this story, you know, about one day sitting in class and the Lord just somehow his tongue changed. He was able to to get words out that he could never say before. And you still hear it. And then through the Lord using also uh, speech therapists and things, the man, that's all he does. He goes around the world 
sharing new, bad news, good news. You can tell it's how to preach through his organization. It's just such a wonderful organization. And, um, and you know, today he's glorifying the Lord with that. And so, so anyways, you know, we have, that's Larry Moyer. If you're, if you're with him five to 30 minutes, guess what he's going to be doing? He's going to be sharing the gospel message with, with you. But for us, I believe it's a little bit different. The emphasis is, though, we need, when we see a lost person and the Lord is talking to us, I want you to share with him. Our objective has to get to the point of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. Now, for Larry, it's five to 30 minutes. For us, it may be a week, a month, I don't know, a year, getting to know the individual, maybe even a lifetime. But even the point that Gary, that, that um, Larry's trying to make here is that if the Lord is speaking to us about this idea or this notion or this that the person needs to be shared with, then we need to make it a priority. It needs to be a priority. Take five to 30 minutes getting to know the individual. In Africa, the other scenario, if you will, your translator will get to know the individual to a certain extent. And then you can get to know them a little bit better. They'll walk up to a hut uh, or to a person on a bicycle riding down the street or to a lady selling her goods on, on the side of a street in a market or this scenario, this situation, that situation, this situation, whatever. You'll be in as many different situations as you can imagine. That's what you'll be at as you go over to Uganda. But let's take the hut situation. So, so you walk up to a hut and they'll start speaking in Lugandan and they'll, you know, tell them, hey, can I come in? You won't understand a word they're saying. You know, it's all Greek to you, you know. And so, and but you'll start slowly getting the, the uh, greetings and the welcomes and things like that. And there are a few words that they'll teach you, you know, give you about what you say when somebody says hello, goodbye, things like that. You'll begin to hear them too. And so you'll start hearing them give this, you know, greeting, if you will, getting to know the individual, asking their name, and they'll talk about things. Oh, yeah, I know your family. I know your second cousin on your brother's or your mother's side, you know, that's, I don't know, you know, they, they all know each other and, and their, their tribes, they each know what tribe they're from and how they relate. I mean, it's all a different culture than what you and I, you know, I, you know, unless we knew somebody, hey, you know, we get to talking and I know that same person, you know, and then we go, how can we know that same person? Well, they get to know each other and talk to each other. And and uh, and so they get to know the individual. But then when you sit down with them and they go, OK, my name is uh, Abraham and um, this is Keith. And OK, Keith, go ahead. Okay, so you jump in there. Hi, my name is Keith, you know, and uh, tell me your name again. And so, yeah, you know, you'll get the greeting because they'll tell you, you know, and us with names, we'll forget it. We'll have to talk. Remember their name. Remember their name. Use their name. Don't forget their name. And if you have to, have a pen and write their name down. People, I love it when people remember my name. They will love it when you remember their name. Remember their name and start talking to them. How many children do you have? Do you go to school? You'll know by their, you know, uh, you know what they're doing or, you know, what do you do for a living? You know, and, 
those, those answers spring on more conversation and get to know them. A short conversation, you know, you want to get a short conversation and get to know their life a little bit. And so, and you'll see that here in just a second. I got to know somebody's life a little bit in the short time that I've been here today that I've never met before. We've got to get to know them a little bit to communicate with them. So get to know the individual. Next, the hardest thing here in America, there on your page, turn the conversation to spiritual things. Turn the conversation to spiritual things. Now, we can get to know the individuals out there at work, in our neighborhoods, our friends, whatever, can't we? We, we get to know them. But what's the hardest thing to do? Turn the conversation to spiritual things. You know, how do I get John over there to turn the conversation to spiritual things? Because I have a, a burden. The Lord has told me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do I turn the conversation to spiritual things? That's probably the hardest thing that there is to do. The thing that we use in Africa is this. If you were to die tonight, now they know we're there. For They know why we're there, and they welcome us in. It's much more welcoming than it is here in the U.S. They will allow you and everybody, without exception. I was, I was telling you earlier that, you know, with all, maybe only two times in my 14 years of going, have somebody ever told me they couldn't speak with me or they, they, they you know, didn't, won't let me talk. And both of them, they were going someplace. They had a previous appoint, appointment. They couldn't stop. Two times. Just two times. Now, other people have had people, a few people thrown out, but I can think of those stories. There's probably I, people of the 14 years I've been going where they've thrown them out, said, no, I don't want to talk to you. On one hand, maybe five situations, and that's thousands and thousands of examples people sharing with. So they're very welcoming. They'll allow you in. Turning the conversation to spiritual things. One of the phrases that we use over there is if you were to die tonight and face God and God asked you, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say to him? What would you say to him? What that does is their response tells you exactly where they are in Christ. So if they tell you if they go get their baptismal certificate, if they tell you I've led a good life, I go to church, but they never mention Christ in there. Never mention Christ. You know, there's. You need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with them. You know, just move on through. And then there's some, even though the way they may phrase Christ in their answer, you just know that something's not right. You share the gospel of Jesus Christ. The thing you don't want to do is if someone's a believer, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though here in America. Wouldn't we love it if someone came up to us and shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with us? We'd be going, way to go, brother, way to go. Sister, you're out there sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. You know, we would love to hear it, you know. But if they're believers, let's encourage them. You know, we'll, we'll, Jaime will talk about encouragement, give you a page of things that you can share with them, you know, in, in encouragement. And it's just encouragement for what the Lord is done in your own life or something, a testimony or whatever, you know, you can share with them. And then you, you pick up and you go to the next place. This is an evangelistic missionary trip is what it is. Yes, we want to encourage brothers and we want to, if the Lord, you know, has us stay there for a little while to encourage them and maybe there's something going on in their life, you do want to encourage them and spend time. But this is an evangelistic 
mission trip, move on to the next person and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with him. You're leaving behind a trained pastor and a church that in some ways will be a, a church where they can go to to receive encouragement, to get those things. Your job over there is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. Now, there are other opportunities that you're going to leave, and we'll leave, you'll leave behind things we're doing things to make it a healthy church. There are Bibles there. There are things there that were also that are there that, you know, as a person comes in, they can get that word of God and things that they need. But for you, your primary objective is evangelism. So keep that in mind. Turn the conversation to spiritual things. One that I'm going to use today, you can see in your booklet of turning the conversation to spiritual things on page seven. Opening question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible and shown you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven? And may I? If someone would have asked me that at the point, at, at a certain point, and the pastor did ask us, not in this phrase, but he asked me a question, this question that I even asked for, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? I didn't know the answer to it. That question, I believe that the... The Lord is drawing all to Him, my friends. All to Him. And if they have a desire to know about Christ, God is not going to allow them for that answer, for that question not to be answered. He desires that none should perish. And He's going to give them that answer about who Jesus Christ is. So, with that in mind, there's people out there that want to hear this question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible and shown you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven? And may I? They want, they want to hear this, this question. They want to because they want to say, no, no one has ever told me how I can go to heaven for sure. So turn the conversation to spiritual things. It's part of the, it's, it's, it's the area that we struggle with the most, but we have to get over it and share the gospel. You know, at work, it may be when you're at work, listen, John, listen, we've been here, you know, friends for a while. I want to ask you a question. Would you allow me to share the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because you shared conversation after conversation. They know where you're at. They've been sarcastic a few times. But ask the question. If they reject it, they reject it. Christ said they are not rejecting you, but what? They're rejecting him. They're not rejecting you. And so take rejection totally out of it. Our job, is not to to change them. Our job, we're distributors of the gospel is all we are. That's it. We just distribute the gospel. What the Lord desires to do and what they desire to do are their responsibility. Let's don't take their responsibility. You know, let's do what we're responsible for, and that is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Turn the conversation to spiritual things. And then lastly, use Scripture. Use Scripture there on page 6. Use Scripture. Why do we want to use Scripture? Because we want them to know it's not what we said. It's what God said. This is what He said. Even though I'm sharing with you, the Word of God shares it. Now this class is a class of showing you how to present the gospel. It's not an apologetics class. It's not an evangelism course on being able to answer every question that an unbeliever may have. And I actually believe, as I've seen over my lifetime, that 
If you pray for opportunities, the Lord's going to give you opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And if there's a question you can't answer and the person's, person's genuinely wanting to know about Jesus Christ and he asks a question that you don't know the answer to, you can get that answer. You can go to your pastors. You can ask the Lord for the answer. The Lord may do, give you the answer right then. If it's a genuine question that the person has about not keep, about who Christ is, I believe that. Uh, apologetics is one of those things that, you know, I believe that we all could refine our skills in. But what my life has shown, what I've seen in other people's life, there are people out there hungry for the Word of God. And I believe that if we're open and we're desired to share with them, the Lord's going to open up opportunities. And the best defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ is not us not knowing maybe their religion or anything. It's knowing the Word of God. But my friends, if you have a basic knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which all of you here are believers, and what we're about to go through, you have a basic understanding of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is, you're ready to go out there and share. There may be questions you know, that people have that you have to go get the, the answers to that you don't know have the answers to. And that's okay. You know, This is not a course on apologetics. It is, it is a method of showing you how you can share Christ with anybody, anytime, anywhere. That's what this is. So, with that in mind, I just wanted to put that little um, thing in there. Uh, that you know that we're not here to teach you how to answer every question that there may be out there. This is teaching you a method of how you can use to share Christ clearly and consistently. So it's called the bad news, as we talked about, the bad news, good news approach. I like it because I can remember it. I have the, the worst memory in the world. I really do. But I can remember this. The bad news, good news. Two points, two verses, and two illustrations Preach the bad news and the good news. If you can remember the bad news, good news, and know what falls under those, you can get going. And they're easy. There's just four verses that you have to that you have to learn, and you can memorize those. You can memorize. You can memorize this whole thing. I like it because I can remember it. I've been doing it all these years, and as I've said, I've shared the same gospel message whether I'm preaching, teaching in a classroom session with children's ministry it's the same thing as it is in Africa or at the job site that I have it's the same thing it's the same method I use, I've used to share and lead people to the Lord so with that in mind I'm going to share my version if you will which if you want to follow along with me on page 7 8 and 9 really meet of it 7 and 8 you can follow along with me there, or you can make notes, or you can just listen intently on what, what I say and how I say it, what I do, and I'm going to share with someone. Now, I can just spit it out to you, but I want to show you a setting of really the way you're going to be sitting in Africa with someone. It's just going to be you and them. You can even take your translator out of it, because what you'll be doing with the translator is they really will become this... Um, Tool that the Lord uses as a person is the way I look at it. You know, because you're focusing in on that person you're talking to. Now, you have, you'll get in rhythm with them of speaking. You'll be, how do I talk through a translator? How does this all occur? And they'll go more through that. But you'll start getting a rhythm down. You really will. You'll understand how 
each set of words, how long it takes for them to say it. And you'll start getting a rhythm where really you'll start understanding you're talking to the person. You are absolutely talking to the person. And it'll, in some ways, they'll fade out just a little bit. Just a little bit. Where you're talking straight to the person. At least that happens for me when I'm talking to them. They kind of, even though you hear it and it's all there, you are absolutely that person you're talking with. And that's why I created this. I'm going to be talking to this person today. I talked to him earlier and I got to know a little bit about him. I got to know a little bit about him. And I'm going to turn the conversation to spiritual things. And when I go through it, I'm going to use scripture. And you'll see it's Keith's bad news, good news approach. But now you'll see if you follow along in this and you listen to everything I say, it follows this 90 to 95% of it. What I say is written right there. So if you were to study all this and get to know this, then you would know the bad news, good news approach. So he doesn't know it's coming. So he knows it now, though. He knew it. I'm going to ask Manny to come up. And I'm going to talk to him. And listen, I did this on purpose. I did this on purpose. Everywhere I go do that, you can tell it. I always pick a person that's willing to talk to me. That that, And there were a few others of you that I got to know. But I'm going to do Manny. But that's... We have to be intentional about our evangelism. Intentional about our evangelism. I am talking to him or to her because I want to share the good news of Jesus Christ with him. Just as if somebody else in church that's a believer, you're wanting... My friends, we are here to serve. We really are. Now, there's times when we need to be served. I know this. I know this. But in our right mind, in our right heart, we come to church... Not to be served, even though we're taught, but to serve the Lord. We're out there in our families, in our environment, in our jobs to serve the Lord. Not 50% of the time, not 75% of the time. Everything you do as a mother, everything you do as a teacher, as a pastor, as whatever job you're in, wherever you're at, is 100% to serve the Lord. If you keep that in mind, everything you do whether going to sleep, feeding yourself, going to church, driving to work, everything has a purpose. Has a purpose. And this has a purpose, getting to know Manny. I got to know Manny today. I asked him questions so that I would know because I knew what I was going to share with him. I knew exactly what I was going to share with him and I wanted to know this information. So just keep that in mind. Sorry, Manny. You don't have to say anything. You just got to sit there and look pretty like you do. <laughs> so come on up. Take a seat. Yeah, give him a hand. Come on. Here it is. I don't see you. You guys don't have the guts to get up here. We're all praying you would ask. No, I can't. Manny made eye contact when I walked in today. Sucker. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Manny. I appreciate Manny. I appreciate his heart and all of you. You guys, you are special. You are special. I'm telling you, this is a special church. This is not everywhere. You don't have this everywhere. Thank the Lord for it. Amen. And this is a good mission trip.
this is really special right here. So, I'm sorry. I did all that without the mic. I just thought about it. So, so I'm, I'm getting, I've gotten to know him a little bit. I've gotten to know Manny, what he, what he does, where he comes from, and a few things about his life and where he wants to go. Um, and so um, I'm going to use that in my gospel message. You can do this in Africa. Really? You live in CC? No, I didn't come from CC. Actually, I came from blah, 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 whatever. You know, they'll tell you where they're from, what they do for a living. What do you, you know, a housewife, you know she's probably there, and if she has four or five kids running around, you know what her job is, her 24-hour day job is, you know, but guy, men, or even other women, you'll go to a market, and you'll see them selling fruit or selling vegetables or selling this or selling that. You know, you'll you'll see these things. Use those things. Use those things in their in their um in their life in your gospel message. They're very simple. What they do for a living, a place, and you'll see these things. Okay. So you guys are fading away from me right now. So I'm talking to Manny here. So Manny, um I want to ask you a question. You know, we got to go know each other just a little bit earlier, and um, I want to ask you a personal question. Um, has anyone ever taken a Bible and shown you how you can know for sure you're going to heaven? Um, no. No. Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's okay. That's okay. A little bit, you said. Well, um, can I? Well, can I show you clearly again yes. from the Bible? Yeah. May I? Yeah. Good. Okay, so that's my opening question. You know, there's an opening question there. He he released me to go, and so I'm going to go. So, well, many of the thing that I want to communicate to you today is that the Bible talks about, um, you know, for for heaven it talks about bad news and good news. You know, the bad news is about you and me, but the good news is about God. We must understand those two things so that one day we can go to heaven. You know, so uh, let's look at the bad news first, and let me talk to you about that, okay? First part of the bad news is that you're a sinner. But the Bible tells us all of us are sinners. Every one of us, the Bible says that. Let me turn to the verse where it says that. It's in Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 23. And I actually, if you could read it for me there, it's Romans 3, chapter 3, verse 23. I have it underlined for you there. But for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's right. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It says, you've sinned, I've sinned. Everybody, God knows everybody on this earth has sinned. Now, what is sin? It's like hate. Or cheating, stealing, murder, adultery, things like that. The Bible also says for us guys, uh, uh, sin could be just a thought inside your head. You know, if we see a pretty lady walk across the street and we think inappropriate thoughts of her, the Bible says just that bad thought in your head, even though you didn't do anything, it's a sin. You know, and God says all have sinned, all of it. Now, how can we understand sin? Um, you know, when it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Let, let's talk about an illustration that will help you understand it. Um, 
suppose that um, uh, you and I were going to have a contest, you know, and let's say it was a rock throwing contest. Now I have a pretty strong arm, but you know, I can see, you know, you got some guns <laughs> on you too, you know, and you know, you know, you throw a baseball or you throw a football before. So let's say we're going to, uh, man, we're going to have a rock throwing contest. And you mentioned when we were talking earlier about California, you know, Marietta, California, maybe going out there. And let's say we're going to take our rock and we're going to have a rock throwing contest. We're going to throw it at Marietta, California. So, you know, you pick up your rock. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah. And so you take your rock and you throw it. California, you know, and you throw it a long way, you know, and then I pick up my rock, you know, you're wondering, am I going to throw, did I throw, throw further than Keith or is he going to throw further than me? And so I throw mine. Now you may throw yours further than me or I may throw mine further than you, but neither one of us would hit our target, would we? No, it's too far. California, you know, we can't throw a rock that far. Well, this verse says in that same way, you know, you know, even though a person, that person may live better than me or I may live better than that person, all of us have fallen short. Manny has fallen short of what God expects out of him. That verse says, for all is sin and fall short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of what God expects out of us, which is to be as holy as he is holy and perfect as he is perfect. And nobody has done that, God says, because we all have sinned including yourself. Now, you would you agree that you sinned before? Yeah. yeah, and so have I. Yeah, and God says everyone has, has done that. You know, all of us have, have committed a sin. And that's not good news. That's bad news, you know. That's bad news that, that we've committed those sins. But God says the bad news gets even worse in the Bible. In Romans uh, 6.23, He says that there is a penalty for that sin. I want you to read it to me. I have just the first part of it there, Romans 6.23. If you could read that to me. Just the underline part. For the wages of sin is death. That's right. God says, for the wages of sin is death. There's a penalty for our sin. God says, you know, wages. You know, that verse says wages. What, what, you know, wages. You told me, you know, you work for the city of Laporte. And you go out and, and, you know, you do your job all day long and you work hard and you sweat and, you know, you're in the heat and it's hard. You know, you're lifting and, and doing things all day long and, you know, you'll work a good eight, ten hour day and, and you'll do that for a week, two weeks or a month. And at some pay period, in uh, some period, you get paid. You've worked for that. You've earned that. You know, it's not something that somebody else did for you or did to you. You know, you did that on your own. You've worked for that, and, and it's due you. You know, the city has to pay that to you because that's your agreement. You know, you worked for that. And so that's your wages. You know, for me, I'm glass guy, and I go in and install glasses, and at the end of a, you know, pay time, I, they, they, they pay me. You know, we both work at our jobs for, for those things. Well, in the same way, when we sin, we have worked for death. We've earned it. We've worked for it. Nobody else did it for us. We did it all on our own. But the question is, what is what death is it talking about here? This death it's speaking of is, here is being eternally separated from God. One day, 
man, hopefully many, many years from now, you're going to die. That body's going to die. But what's left is your spirit. And your spirit's going to live forever. Now God says it can live in a place called hell or in a place called heaven. God is in heaven and He will not allow sin into heaven. And since you're sinful, you're going to be eternally separated from God. You're going to go to hell. So more simply, that verse says, because you have sinned, you're going to hell. And that's not good news, is it? No, that's bad news. But God, He created you, Manny, to love you, to walk with you, talk with you, spend eternity with you. But when you sinned, you moved away from God. You disobeyed Him. You did things that would separate. And God in His infinite love says, you know, since you can't pay that penalty for the sin, I'm going to provide a way that would pay for that penalty. And this is the good news in the Bible. Since there was no way we could get to God, God decided to come to us, essentially, is what it is. And this is the good news. The first part of the good news is that Christ died for you. Christ paid the penalty for you. In the same book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us this. Can you read that for me right there? It's underlined. God demonstrated His own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. That's right. Christ died for us. It says even while you're still sinning, you know, because if you walk out of here today, man, and you, you know, you hate some guy going down the road because they pulled in front of you in the car or you dis- you're disrespectful to your parents or you go steal something. Christ still died for you. But the question is, what does it mean for Christ to die for you? What would it mean for anybody to die for you? Imagine with me for a minute. Let me just give you an illustration. Suppose uh, you're, you're rocking along in life and you get into your 40s many years from now. You get into your 40s and life is good. You have a wife, a family, kid, you know, kids, and everything's good. And, you know, you think everything's good in this life, you know. But one day you begin to have a pain in your, in your gut, in your stomach. But you think nothing of it. Maybe it's just indigestion. But then it gets, as the weeks go on, it gets worse and it gets worse. And finally you go see a doctor and the doctor does some tests and he goes, something's wrong, Manny. We need to look at it, you know, and, and uh, you know, look closer. So they do some tests and finally come back to you and tell you, Manny, you have liver cancer. You have cancer. You know, the C word. You know, and, you know, your life is just shaken. You know, you have a wife and kids and responsibilities and, and uh, you know, and, or maybe it happens to you right now, you know. Not do even later on in life. Maybe it happens to you right now. And uh, what do you do? But the doctors are hopeful. They can do some, you know, um, they can start you know, treating you and maybe, but they say there's, you know, 80% mortality rate, meaning, you know, 80% of the people die from this. So you rock along, you do the test, you move along and, and you don't get, you know, you get a little bit weaker because of the medicine, but then you even grow even more weak, you know, months go by and you're not getting any better and you're not getting any better. And finally the doctors, you know, one day it just lands you in the hospital. 
you know, and you're laying there in the hospital, and the doctor said, listen, Nanny, all those treatments, they really didn't help you. They didn't do anything. In fact, the cancer has spread to your lungs and to your brain. There's absolutely nothing we can do. And so you're sitting there, and you know, your family's around you, whatever family you know you have, whether it be now your parents or your brothers and sisters or whomever it is, or then when you're a little bit older, your wife, your kids, and they're standing around you wondering, we're going to lose Manny right now. And so, um, you know, but imagine with me for a minute, and the doctors even in fact tell you, listen, you have maybe one day, one day to live. But suppose with me, I'm a friend of yours, and I love you. I, you know, I'm a good friend of yours. And God has given me a miracle. And that miracle is this. And I come to you that day. And I say, Manny, if you will allow me, I'll take that cancer out of you. Now, you're sick and dying in a bed. You know, you're not wondering whether I can do it or not. You'll try anything. Sure, Keith, go ahead. And I tell you I can take that cancer out of your liver, out of every part of your body that has spread to completely out of you, completely out of you and place it into me. I'm a healthy person. And place it into me. And at the same time, I take my life out of me and place it into you. Now there is no longer any cancer. That was the miracle that God has given me. One miracle that I can do. And and now you can get up from there because all that cancer is in me and my healthy life is in you. And you get up, you you hold hands with your family, and you, you walk out of the hospital. You're done. You're healthy. It's a miracle. But for me, Manny, I collapse on that bed that you were in, and within a day, I die. I took what was going to cause your death, essentially, right? And took it, placed it in me, placed it upon me, and I died in your place, sort of, right? I mean, this is just an illustration. I'm trying to get you to see what Christ did for you when it says Christ died for you. Christ came down here on earth. The Son of God came down here on earth. He took the sin that we talked about earlier that was going to cause your eternal separation. He placed it upon Himself. And He died on the cross in your place. He paid the penalty. He took your sins in the past, the present, and the future. And He died in your place. Now, what you have to also understand is three days you think, well, he died. Well, what, what's a miracle in that? Well, three days after three days after he died, he rose from the grave. They put him in a grave. And three days after that, they went back to that grave and he's gone. He arose from the grave. And the Bible tells us then he ascended to heaven, and people saw him after that on earth. And it showed three things. It showed that he was God, because he claimed to be God, and only God can do that. And it shows that he conquered sin, he conquered Satan, and he conquered death. All those things it showed when he rose from the grave. Now that's what God wanted to do for you. And just as the illustration, if I wanted to do that, You would say yes, right? Well, God's given you a choice here. Whether you want to put your trust in what Jesus Christ did for you 
or you can reject it. And that's the second part of the good news in the Bible. In the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it tells us you can be saved through faith. Read that for me there. It's underlined. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and is not from yourself. It is from it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can vote. Very good. Thank you. Yes. That's right. It says for by grace. What is grace? Grace is something freely given. It's something undeserved, unmerited. So God did this for you. And you didn't even have to do anything for it. You didn't have to be a good person. You didn't have to do anything. God says, I'm just going to give this to you. It's just here for you if you want it. Manny, it's grace. It says, for by grace you have been saved. You can be saved from that eternal separation of going to hell. You can go to heaven. But then it says, through faith. Through faith. Now many people, and maybe you've heard what faith is, They confuse what faith is. Let me give you just a simple illustration of what simple faith is. When we when we came here, we both took chairs and we sat down in them. And we never thought again whether these chairs would hold us up. We simply trusted in the chairs to hold us up. Have you been thinking in about that chair, whether it would hold you up? No, not at all. That chair held you up. You trusted in it. And you weren't, were you there when they manufactured that chair? Well, we weren't there when Jesus Christ died. But the fact of the matter is Jesus Christ died. The fact of the matter is they manufactured that chair. And it held you up. You trusted it to hold you up. Now, you didn't hold something over here because you were partially trusting in the chair, but you say if the chair breaks, I'll still have, I can still hold myself. No, you never thought about it. You trusted the chair to hold you up, and it held you up. In the same way, the Bible's saying that if we put our trust, our faith, our trust in Jesus Christ alone as our only way to heaven, that He's the only one that can get us there, then we can be saved. It says you can be saved through faith, through trust. Now, it also goes to say it's not of yourselves. It's not anything you do. There's no amount of good works you can do. There's no amount of money you can give the church. Baptism, good life that you desire to lead that would tell God, okay, that's payment enough to go to heaven. God says, no, only Jesus Christ. It's not through works which we get to heaven. Only through faith, trust in Christ. So my question to you, Ami, today, as I've traveled all the way over from America, is this. Do you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ today? Yes. yes. He got saved! Yes! Yes. Great. That was a side note. I pulled away from you and focused on him. Yes. Very good. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God, Manny. Praise God. Yes. Yes, you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ. Well, you know what? Let's do this. Since you made that confession, let's go ahead and just go in prayer and let's tell the Lord about the decision you just made. I'll pray and you can just repeat after me. You don't have to remember anything. You don't have to say anything. It's a very simple prayer. 
We can bow our heads. I'll say it, and then you can repeat after me, okay? So let's bow our heads. All of you, let's, let's go ahead and bow our heads. Dear God, I know that I am a sinner and that there is a penalty for that sin. I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my only way to heaven. The one who paid the penalty for my sin. I'm not trusting in my good works or my good life or even going to church to get me to heaven. I'm not even trusting in this prayer to get me to heaven. I'm not even trusting in this prayer to get me to heaven. But Jesus Christ alone. And Jesus Christ alone. I put my trust in him. I put my trust in him. In Jesus Christ's name. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Praise God, Manny. Woo! Yeah. So you... I got him saved. <laughs> <laughs> time, huh? So so Manny, you're what we call a born again believer. You're a, a newborn, you know, and, uh, and you know, you're, or you're called a Christian. You know, we, we call ourselves a couple of different things, but those things, you're a born-again believer. And just as a baby's newborn, you know, when a baby's newborn, they have to have certain nourishments, you know, certain things to eat, like milk and things like that to make them grow up to be strong. They need the mother's milk. Well, you as a, a young believer, you need certain things, you know, as a young believer to help you grow strong. In fact, all of us believers do. One of the things you need is you need nourishment from what we call what God gives us milk, which is called His Word. You know, we have you have to study His Word, and the place that you can get that is this church right over here. You know, you you need to go to church. Other ways that we receive nourishment is through God, is through prayer, um, and then talking to others about God. You know, those areas in, and other people around you will help you grow up. You know, that's kind of the nourishment, if you will. It's kind of a, a play on words, you know, a picture, if you will, a born-again believer. If you look at a baby, what it needs, it needs the mother's care. Well, you need a care of other believers and a pastor, and this church will provide that for you to help you grow up, to help you learn the Word so that you can defeat, just as a person would grow up and be able to defeat, you know, things of this world. You know, a baby can't walk across the street or understand things. You can't understand things in the world the way God would understand them unless you read this to help you grow up strong. And so I suggest to you, you know, that you this church is here if you want it. Uh, if you desire, it's a pastor. He can teach you the Word and, and help you grow up and to be a strong Christian. And so, But the other thing I want to share with you is sometimes we have doubts about what you just did. You know, did I really do it? And is it really true? Um, let me go to the book of John. Chapter 5, verse 24. And I'll read this to you. Jesus was speaking. This was Jesus speaking here. They wrote it down. It says, I tell you the truth. Jesus says, I'm telling you the truth. Sounds kind of weird, huh? I'm telling you the truth. Whoever hears my word. Did you hear his word today? Did you read his word? Yeah. And believes in him who sent me. Did you believe? That's right. It says, you have eternal life. It says you have eternal life. 
It doesn't say you might have eternal life, but you have eternal life. Eternal life in heaven with God is what it's saying. You're going to spend one day when you perish on this earth, you're going to go to heaven and be with Him. It says you will not be condemned. You have crossed over from death to life. You've crossed over from hell to heaven. You're going to go to heaven one day. So there may be times when you doubt what you did, but the fact is you put your trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus says that when you believe His Word, believe in Him who sent me, you have eternal life. We call that assurance of salvation. It assures you of what you just did. All right? Okay. Thanks, man. All right, you can go back. So, that's the bad news, good news approach. That's it. Now, okay. So, I had an opening question. You know, I'd gotten to know him. Didn't I get to know him? Talk, I'd asked him earlier, you know, what he does for a living, what he wants to do, where he wants to go. I picked something geographic so that he would be able to, you know, I could relate to him. Really, I only had to know two questions. What he does for a living, because that would help me with the wages, you know. And then I asked him something in his life, where he lives, what he's going to do. And he opened up, you know, what do you want to do? He, he wants to go to the Bible college out in Marietta, California, you know. And that was a geographic location that I could relate with him. And it was so far away that as we were talking about falling short, we could throw rocks out there and still fall short. So you see how it related in getting to know him. So then I started the gospel message. I asked him a question. Has anyone ever taken a Bible and shown you how can I know for sure? You know, may I? He released me to go. So you have an opening question. Then I had bad news and I had good news. And then I had a concluding question. You can see on page nine there. Is there anything keeping you from trusting Christ? I asked the question, Manny. Are you ready to put your trust in Jesus Christ today? And Manny said yes. And so then we led into a prayer. We did it. We we went through a prayer. He just repeated after me. And if you listen to the prayer, it was just simply the bad news, good news. You know, I am a sinner. I understand there's a penalty for my sin. I put my trust in Jesus Christ as my only way to heaven. And you know, Lord, I believe in you. You know, I trust in you. And we closed the prayer. That was the simple prayer. And we put in there, I'm not trusting in this prayer. I'm not trusting in any other thing, but in Christ alone, we added those things. And you can see the prayer that Larry Moyer put in there on page nine. You can, the the prayer to a certain extent is just an added bonus. I guess you could, you could view it. Did the thief on the cross pay? Pray. No, he didn't pray. God, Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. He didn't pray. There's no recorded prayer or anything. Because what happened? When I asked Manny, do you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ? And he said, yes. Guess what? He is on his way to heaven. That guy is on his way to heaven. That's when the baptism of the Spirit happened right there. He was indwelt with the Spirit of God because his heart 
put his trust in Jesus Christ. That's when that happened. That's when I have. Now, everything that happens after that is just kind of icing on the cake. The prayer, our relationship, talking to him about other things, because I'm helping him along the way after his life of becoming a believer. You understanding what I'm getting at here? That is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to every unbeliever about. That situation right there. That right there. None of this other stuff about giving up anything in their any sin in their life or anything that they're struggling with as we all struggle with things whatever this issue right here and Manny put his trust in Jesus Christ he confessed with his mouth now do I know that he believed in his heart do I know this I don't know all I can deal with from this side is what Manny did he confessed with his heart uh, he confessed with his mouth Now, his heart is between him and the Lord. I did what the God asked me to do. I did what God asked me to do. I move on. I'm joyful. I don't think, I don't doubt what the Lord ever did in him. I move on in life. And I, Manny, you're going to, buddy, we're on our way to heaven. Praise God, right? We are on our way to heaven. That's right. That's all I believe. I don't don't ever have any doubt that, that that guy right there didn't believe in his heart. I move on from it. But the issue I'm trying to talk about is what happened in his heart is between him and God. All I can do is go about what he said in his mouth. And when someone in Africa tells you, eh, mm, that's all we can go on. That's all we can go on. We are distributors of the gospel. That's all we are. We don't manufacture heaven for them. We don't manufacture them and help them go to heaven, all that. All we do is distribute the gospel. That's our responsibility. Are you getting me? So then I, I started with my opening question. Then I had a little transition point you can see on page seven there. The bad news contains both the, the Bible the Bible contains both bad news and good news. The bad news is something about you and me. The good news is something about God. We looked at the bad news. We talked about sin right here. We use Romans three twenty three and rock was our illustration. Then bad news number two, the penalty for sin is death. And we use wages. He works at the city of port. And that's what I understand, you know, what we got to know each other, getting to know each other. When you, we use wages in Romans 6.23. Now, I added some things in there because I have practiced this. I have practiced this. I've done it year after year after year for now from 2001 all the way to 2017. I teach this class. I'm refreshed in it all the time. I use it at church. I, I, I just it's part of my life. Every one of these people, they, they, what, what I spit out, they could spit out the same thing that have gone before. Now, if you don't work on it, you have a little bit of struggle. But I work on it. I have to to make sure I communicate it clearly here. But even if I struggle with it, guys, I'm telling you, the Lord straightens out our mess-ups. He just does. <laughs> Pastor can probably say he comes away from a sermon and says, I wish I would have, I wish I would have, I, I didn't say this the way I wanted to say it. I wish I would have said it a different way. Every person that preaches or teaches says this. But then what happens is all the people out there listening will say, I was taught something. This was a good day for me. I learned something. And you're thinking, as you're sitting up here, I didn't say something the way I wanted to say it. 
but the Spirit takes what you say and He straightens it all out. He does that. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God does that. So even if you screw up a few things here, trust me, I've been giving this here that you can tell it. And man, I've put bad news number one, good news number two next. And I put bad news number two. I've messed it all. I've messed it all up. But the Lord helped me regather, straighten things out. And then he straightened it all out in their head. Even if we mess it up, we're there, we're doing it. The Lord's going to straighten it out. Okay. So we talked about all that in the bad news. Then in the good news, we got in. You heard my transition point. Since there was no way we could get to God, God decided to come to us. Now, I added a few things about death right here. You heard me, the things that I added about death. Larry Moyer doesn't add those things. I feel that I should add those things. It's my own, what I think I should add about death. You know, I want to talk, I don't want to talk about earthly death. I want to talk about spiritual death. And I feel that I have to add those things where you, where you heard me tell you about, you know, death. Death is, hey, it's not, our, all our bodies will perish from this earth. What happens to your spirit? You know, the spirit goes on and lives forever. Does it live in hell or do, does it live in heaven? Larry Moyer doesn't write that down, but I add it to mine. So, but let the spirit lead you in this on what you may want to add to this. And then we, we did good news, number one. Good news, number two. Cancer aids everyone in this world. Over there, they're all affected by AIDS. They are. You can use AIDS. Um, I And even over there, everybody's affected by cancer. Everybody on this earth has been touched by cancer. Either you know someone, you have been one, or you're close to someone. One of the, you, you just know someone that has been touched by cancer. Every, all of us can say, I know this person. You may be a family member or a church at work, wherever. Everybody has been touched with cancer. Everybody knows about it. I didn't have to explain cancer to Manny. You know what cancer is, don't you? Yes. So we use something, and we it's a substitutionary death. You, there are hundreds of examples, and Jaime will go over these things. There's just different ways of communicating substitutionary death. Jesus Christ taking your place so that you didn't have to die. They're example after example after example. And they can go over those things. Then, good news number two, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We talked about a chair, something you can trust in. You heard me use the word trust. I use the word trust. I didn't use accept. I may have thrown faith in there a little, believe in faith, but the, the verse has faith in it, but then I turned it to trust. But I kept focusing on trust, on trust, on trust. It's a good word to communicate with. Now, when you say in Lugandan and in Swahili, when you say, if you put your faith, your trust, your belief in Jesus Christ, they're going to say, I don't know what the word is in Lugandan, but let's say it's Zumba. They're going to say, when you put your Zumba, 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 because it's all the same word for them, (laughs) whether it's believe, faith, or trust, it's all the same word. We here in America, we got... We're just this conglomeration of a mess of language, you know, that we, but for us, I believe trust. So you have to guard yourself a little bit, whether you say believe, faith, or trust over there, they're going to get it. They, they will know. So, but here, if you're talking with someone, 
Trust is such a good word. It really is. Chair, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, we talked about works. And then we concluded with the question. So that's it. Would anybody like to add? Jaime, Chris, Linda, Molly. I was going to say Ethan and Katie since they're going, but they snuck out. Anything you like to add? Yeah. Very good, Christy. They're saying the word, but it's not us. Yeah. Yeah. Hunter? Is that your same first example? Your example of your first time? And the clearer it becomes, yeah. more better communicated it comes. Day two, you will be like a preacher. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no guarantees. Don't look this off. But day two, preacher does. Preacher does. Chris? Be ready. And so here's what will happen. So you'll, they'll go, they'll team you, they'll tag you up with your translator. Two by two. What did Jesus do? He, he sent the 70 out. You'll go out. Now you may have another translator or something. Somebody may join in, but just know that you're going to have a translator. And you'll go out and you'll get about 15 feet from the church and there'll be a guy riding a bicycle by there. <laughs> your translator. This guy? Now? You want me to do it now? I, I wanted some walking distance, some preparing distance, you know? No, now. You know? Lava, 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 lava. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead, Manny. You're going to learn. It's okay. It's okay. What they don't know is we're really weird Americans, you know? They look at us, you're awesome. You're like, no, I'm a really weird American. <laughs> Keywords there, all the people came. When she says all the people came, all the people came. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's good. Guys, and guys, is that woman really breastfeeding in front of me? There, is that? I mean, because you know, uh, I'm telling you. Yeah, did that chicken just walk in front of me? I think that chicken just walked in front of me. <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff. So here's the deal. Here is the deal. If you go out of here today, and this is all you do, is listen to me spit it out. That's as good as you're going to get at it. You have to work on it. You have to work on it. Every one of you that are especially going, you need to work on this. It's not something that you can receive by even sitting there reading it. As you're going down the road as you're driving, as you're sitting in your room, as you have quiet time, sit there and read the bad news right there and then try to close your eyes or get away from it and spit it back out. Look at yourself in the mirror. Try to do it and get better at it. Memorize it. Memorize it. If you memorize it now, I'm telling you, you will get through a big struggle of the first or second day that Hunter was talking about. If you don't study this, you will go into this situation much more nervous. Now, you'll get it. I've seen people also make themselves sick with worry because they did not study it. They did not work on it. They got over there and they said, I didn't do what I was supposed to do. And I will tell you, this is your leader telling you that you need to respect and obey because Scripture tells you to do that. He will tell you, you go home and you work on this. I mean, we'll tell you. And if you don't do this, then you are disobedient. I know this sounds kind of childish, but I know it in my own self, and I've seen it over the years, 
that if you waste this time right now and you go home and it just sits in this book and it sits on your shelf and you say, I'll get on the airplane and I'll, and that's when I'll learn it, that will be your biggest mistake in this trip. You want to be richly blessed with seeing people come to the Lord and you being able to see it as opposed to worrying whether you did something right or wrong and now you fumbled through it and everything. I'm telling you, work on it here. Work on it here. You will be much more richly blessed. You're going to be richly blessed, but I'm telling you, you're going to be much more richly blessed if you are obedient to what the Lord is asking you to do. The Lord is asking you to be obedient to what Jaime says and the wisdom that he has had as your leader. So that's just a little plug for Jaime. Jaime, forgive me for doing that. But So you guys saw it. So we had opening question, bad news, good news, and then I concluded with a concluding question. Is there anything from keeping you tr- for trusting Christ? Ask the question. We'll go over that in just a little bit. You can go through all that. You see the prayer. You can see I covered assurance of salvation at the bottom of page 9. It continues on to page 10 their assurance of salvation. So unless anybody has another any more questions, we're going to move on quickly because I'm past my time. So we need to move on quickly. But the rest of it is good, so pay attention. Any questions? Okay. So what about repentance? We, we t- even today in the message, uh, Matthew's message, we talked about repentance. Um. But where does repentance fit into this whole area of evangelism? Because we hear we must repent of our sins, right? Have we heard that? We, we got to repent of our sins to come to Christ. But, you know, but as we're walking with Christ, even as believers, we have to repent of our sin. What does repent mean? Repent means turning 180 degrees away from our sin. You know, whatever was telling us was this was correct, or this is okay for me to do this sin, you figure out, you repent from your sin, and you walk away from it. You understand? That's what is to change your mind. Change your mind about whatever was keeping you from trusting Christ and to trust Christ to save him. That's where it fits in to evangelism. That one thing. Repentance is essential. You'll see there on number one. Repentance is essential to salvation. Repentance, when used in an evangelistic context in Scripture, means to change your mind about whatever is keeping you from trusting Christ and trust Him to save you. And moving on, you can read number two later. Number three, the word repentance. The word repentance is sometimes used interchangeably with the word believe. Do you see that there? The one book in the New Testament written specifically to tell people how to get to heaven is the Gospel of John. The word believe is used how many times? 98 times. My friends, 98 times the word believe. What do we use for believe? Trust. Trust. Same word. Trust. The word repent is not used. Is not used. Why? To present the Gospel clearly is to present the need for repentance whether the word repent is used or not, since it is not possible for an unbeliever to trust Christ to save him without changing his mind. Each time you present the gospel and ask the person to trust Christ, you have called upon him to repent. 
that's where repentance fits in. Is there any question about repentance in this area, in this area of salvation? Anything you guys want to add? You good? Okay. All right, turn the page. Sorry, right there, you can see a word of caution. A word of caution. We're going to go over a few things here. These are words of caution that I would say in evangelism, and especially with the bad news, goodness, that I would ask you to avoid. Things that I would say, they take away from your clarity in evangelism. So, or they help you. First of all, go ahead and turn the page. These, these are words of caution. First of all, guys, we have to ask the person on page 12, number one, ask the person to trust Christ. Circle that word ask. Big old circle. Now, if you got a highlighter, highlight it. Now, do me a favor. Put a star beside it. And now put an asterisk on the other side of it. What point am I making? You got that. You got to ask. You have to ask. You get to the end of your gospel message, as Jaime was even saying, I didn't want to get to the end, man. I was afraid this would open up a whole can of worms, you know, asking these Muslim if they want to. You know, it's okay to present the information, but do I ask the person to trust Christ? Yes, ask the person to trust Christ. Number two, make the issue trusting Christ. It's not faith in faith or faith in a prayer. It's faith in Christ. Many people confuse what faith is. Oh, I have faith. I go to church every week. You know, oh, I have faith. I've given to my church faithfully. You know, oh, I have faith. I've been baptized. You know, I have faith. I see the pastor. Whatever it is, they can put their faith in those things. As we talked about Martin Luther, you know, it's not faith in faith or faith in a prayer. And we talk about many people say this, I am saved because I prayed. I prayed. I prayed. No, you are saved because you put your trust in Jesus Christ, not because you prayed. So we have to be clear. It's faith in Christ. This young man that I'm talking about, he still cannot communicate this issue of trusting in his heart. He still has this something in his head that, yeah, I did, I prayed to receive Christ. I'm dealing with him on a daily, on the, daily on this issue about him praying. It's, Sam, it's not about praying. It's about Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Christ alone. And then thirdly, here's what I want to go through on this part. Beware of closes that cloud the issue. Beware of closes that cloud the issue. So first of all, one I think you should stay away from is give your heart to God. Write that down there. A, give your heart to God. Who has ever heard that one? A pastor or who has ever said that one? Give your heart to God. You need to give your heart to God. Give your heart to God. Now, there may be people in this room, and there's one of these I got say that pastor asked me, you know, one of these closes that I'll share with you in a bit. But 
There may be people in this room that somebody has asked them, do you want to give your heart to God? And they got saved. I'm just saying these closes, I say, stay away from. Ask the person, do you want to put your trust in Jesus Christ? Make the issue trusting Christ. Give your heart to God. Colossians, and that's not what the New Testament is asking him to do, is it? And it's us not giving Jesus anything, really. It's him giving us everything. The next one, give your life to God. Give your life to God. Write that in the 3B there. Give your life to God. Give your life to God. Again, that's not what the New Testament is asking the non-Christian to do. 1 John 5.11, it's not you giving him your life, it's he giving you his life. And I guarantee you, my friends, we've seen people in certain religions, so-called Christian religions, that they say they give their life to God. And I'm telling you, one day they will not be with me in heaven because they're works-based. They are works-based. It's us not giving him our life, even though we understand what we're saying in that, in giving our life to God in service for salvation, it's Him giving us everything. And see, invite Christ into your heart. Invite Christ into your heart. Who's heard that one before? Invite Christ into your heart. Yeah, many of us have. Some of us may have even been asked that when we were led to the Lord. Keith, are you ready to invite Christ into your heart? You know, so-and-so, have you invited Christ into your heart? Some people support this, invite Christ into your heart with Revelation 3.20, where it says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. Referring to inviting Christ in to your heart. But the book of Revelation, book of Revelation is written to who? Believers. Believers. And even though we as believers can understand what that verse is talking about, it really clouds the issue for an unbeliever. Let's use the words that God uses most. He used trust. In the book of John, he used believe. 98 times he did not use the word believe or invite. He used the word believe. 98 times. Let's use the words that God used most. So that's C there. Move on to D. Would you like to pray to receive Christ? On page 13, would D, would you like to pray to receive Christ? Again, it's not a matter of praying. It's a matter of trusting. And then the one when the pastor led us to the Lord with the bridge illustration, he closed. Keith, Linda, do you want to? Accept Christ. E, accept Christ. This one still comes out of my mouth at times. I have to watch what I say. I want, I want to be clear when I talk to people. Trust, trust, trust. Some people support that with John 1.12. But as many as received him or accepted him, it's kind of, the two words can be used there, accepted him. To them, he gave the right to become children of God. But then it goes on 
even to those who believe in his name. The issue is still trusting Christ, trusting Christ, trusting Christ. Now, I'm not saying you you can't use these. I'm just saying that Larry Moyer, as well as many, many other people say, stay away from these. These cloud the issue. Let's use trusting, believe. Let's use that, okay? All right. And then lastly, something that may help uh, you, and then we'll, we'll just take, we'll be five more minutes after this. I'm sorry that we're take, going a little bit longer. So suppose you get to the end of your gospel message and you just, they just don't understand, you know? They don't understand this. There, there's just such this works-based attitude and not just here in, in America, but even over there. You'll, you'll meet many Jehovah's Witnesses. You'll meet many Catholics. You'll meet other religions. And all of them outside of Christianity, I'm telling you, and as Jaime professed, Muslim don't even know for sure. There's no assurance. Others that say that you have assurance, they still stress, if not total dependence on works. It's works. It's works. It's works. And so we struggle with getting that out of people. It's not about works which you have saved. It's not by works which you have saved. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, how do you, you get to the end of your gospel message and it just isn't very clear. Here's the way you can do it. Draw three circles on a piece of paper. You'll see there on page 13. Now on your left circle, go ahead and write in there W. Just the letter W. Yeah, I know. W. In the center one, C plus W. C plus W. And the last one, C. W, C plus W, C. So then you explain to the guy or the lady and you ask, so C stands for Christ, W stands for works. Where would you put your assurance of salvation in these, that you can say, this is where I am. You know, I believe in Christ. I believe in works. I believe in Christ plus works to get me to heaven. Where would you put yourself? You ask them. Many of the people that are struggling with works will probably put themselves most likely in C plus W because Christ is thrown in there. Christ is thrown in there. So they'll say, some people just believe in their works and it's very simple. But Christ plus works clouds the issue for them, if you understand what I'm saying. So how do we straighten this out with them? So we ask, so then I tell them, okay, that's where you're at. So let's say that you're telling God that you're depending on your works to get you to heaven. Let's say you were in the first circle and you say you're depending on your works. Oh, no, 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 it's not, not just your works. No, it's not your works. Okay, that's okay. Well, then I write, if you, if you, but let's just say you say that. What you're telling God is Christ's death on the cross was unnecessary. You're doing it all. So I write unnecessary underneath that. Write unnecessary under that W. Unnecessary. Right down below on that line there. Yeah, right down below it on that line. Unnecessary. Who can spell unnecessary? Somebody tell us how you can spell unnecessary. U-N-necessary. 
Okay. UNN, sorry. UNN, necessary. Unnecessary. It's two N's. You may think I'm crazy, but I'm telling you that I have to be, I, if I didn't look down and I see it four or five times a year unnecessary and I use it all the time, how do I spell unnecessary? Where's the C's and the S and how many N's are there? I'm telling you, you guys are, nobody's really laughing here. You're laughing in <laughs> Unnecessary. So you're telling God that Christ's death on the cross was unnecessary. It really was, wasn't it? Because if you're, having to pay for all your sins. Christ didn't need to die, right? And you tell them that Christ didn't need to die. Okay, they, they can accept that. But you know, let's say you're in the second circle, which you said you were, Christ plus works. You know, So you believe in Christ, but you say works, you get you to heaven. What you're telling God is Christ's death on the cross, well, it was disappointing. Write that, disappointing. Disappointing. They're going like, I'm not telling God that. Well, you are really because you're saying that Christ didn't pay for all the sins. You're having to pay for some with your works. So Christ's death on the cross, well, it was disappointing. You're getting the flow of this right here? Trying to get them away from works. Christ's death, I mean, who could tell God that? Who would want to tell God Christ's death on the cross was disappointing? You're making them think about their works. Because nobody would want to tell God that Christ's death on the cross was disappointing. But then you go on to the last circle. And you say, but if you say that, yes, I understand that Christ is the only way to heaven, that he paid the penalty for all sins, then Christ's death on the cross, well, it was sufficient. Sufficient. S-U-F-F? Ishent. Something like that. Sufficient. Sufficient. When Christ died on the cross, his last words were what? It is finished. It is finished. He didn't help you get to heaven. He didn't. His death on the cross wasn't disappointing. It wasn't unnecessary. It was sufficient. He paid this for all sins. It is finished. Salvation is not Christ plus something else. It's Christ alone. So are there any questions or anything anybody wants to add in that that area of word of caution? No, we're good. Okay, let's move on. So how to enhance your effectiveness in evangelism. This is the key to it all, my friends, right here. You want to know how to get over obstacles. You want to know how to do this whole thing. This is it right here. Page 14, how to enhance your effectiveness in evangelism. Prayer, as it relates to evangelism, confuses many of God's people. What is the relationship of prayer to evangelism? To answer this objection, we must study verses that deal with prayer in an evangelistic context. In order to do so, we'll discover Six objects of prayer that relate specifically to evangelism. You want to know how you pray for this for this area in this area of evangelism or this mission trip? Here it is. It's an acronym. 
It's lobs. You can see there on page 15, lobs. So first of all, what do we pray for? First of all, pray for just as Christ did. Pray for laborers. Our Lord and Savior, God, prayed for laborers. His desire, He can, my friends, as we even sang this morning, the rocks could have called it out. Mountains could have called it out. If you remember the song from this morning, if we don't do it, He's going to get His message out. But He wants us to do it. He wants us to do it. And He has given it to us as our responsibility. Now, why wouldn't, here's my view. This is, this is the, this is according to Keith here. So only take that as far as it goes here. I believe that once we become believers, or I ask the question, maybe it's better. Why didn't God, won't God just take us on up to heaven? We're in, we're on our way to heaven anyways. Why wouldn't he want us there? Well, I believe the biggest reason is the Lord wants us to be a light unto the world. And everything, everything, everything we do is to be a light unto the world for evangelism. He refines us. He sanctifies us to make us in more into the image of Jesus Christ. What did Jesus Christ do? He came down here on earth. He sacrificed himself so that others, so that all can go to our Lord and say to, to God in heaven. He did that. And if that's what he did, then isn't that our responsibility? The Lord uses all these areas of everything that he does in his life, making us more into the image of Jesus Christ, working in our lives, sanctifying us, going to church, going to Bible studies, having families, all those things, so that we can lead others to Christ. That's just Keith. So you can take it for what you want, but that's that. that's my view. I believe everything on this earth after we become believers, that's what it is. So, your pastor probably had to straighten out that uh, theology there. But uh, <laughs> next, pray for opportunities. Pray for opportunities. Pray for opportunities. I want to test you on this. This is in a, in the area of evangelism. Next Sunday morning, when you get up. Do this. Ask the Lord. Say, today, Lord, I want to speak into someone's life. I, I ask, Lord, if you would do that for me. Ask him. Just ask him. And then you keep your eyes open and you listen. You don't worry about yourself when you come to church. You stop thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch and you look for opportunity to speak to someone into someone's life. And I guarantee it, without fail, you can speak into someone's life, whether it be a word of encouragement, evangelism, help, whatever it is. You ask for it and the Lord is going to give you an opportunity. I'll test you on this. Test the Lord on this. You ask but you be awake during that time in church of where you can speak to someone and you see and the Lord will do it. I just believe it. 
I just believe that the Lord does that. He wants, and you pray for opportunities in evangelism, and you be open to it, and the Lord's going to bring that person. They just are. Now, it may take some time of prayer as the Lord points that person out, the right opportunity, the right setting, and stuff like that. But if you want to do it, the Lord's going to give you opportunities to do it. My friends, the Lord is not waiting on himself. He's got many people out there. He wants to come into his kingdom. He's waiting on us. He's waiting on us and for them. Pray for opportunities. Next, pray for boldness. Now, who needs an extra case of dose of boldness here? I do. Boldness. All of us need boldness. What keeps us from it? We are afraid, aren't we? We're afraid what they're going to say. We're afraid what they're going to do. We're afraid that we won't do what's right. We're afraid. We need boldness. Acts 4, 29, 31. Boldness needs to overcome fear instead of fear overcoming boldness. Read that verse there in Acts. And then 4 there, pray for success. Pray for success. Lord, I just pray for success in this area of evangelism. Lord, I want to lead somebody to the Lord, to you. I want to lead somebody to you. Pray for success. And read those verses that accompany these there. Next, pray for safety. Pray for safety. Satan is is more active in this area of evangelism than almost any other area. He desires to lose none. And when we go out in evangelism, he is losing them forever if he loses them, if they put their trust in Jesus Christ. And we need to pray for safety. For over there, yeah, you need to pray for safety. You know, it's a third world country. You need to pray for things as simple as your things you eat, uh, your sanitary, what you touch. If you're a hands eater, I'm telling you, I know this. I see it. We've seen it every year. Hand Handy eaters where they don't use a lot of forks, you know, you'll get sick. I'm just telling you because what you'll do is is you'll you'll touch a kid, you'll touch them. If not all of them, if they probably all have lice anyways, but the the same bacteria that is in other things are on them, in them, everything that you touch, you'll set your backpack down, you'll reach in a field and you're sharing the gospel, you put your backpack on and kind of pull it back on. Guess what you did? You touched the bottom of your backpack. You know what was just there where your backpack was about two weeks before that? Well, a cow pooped right there. And so <laughs> by proxy, you touch that poop and then you go and you dig into your, your food and you eat and van rides. You want to talk about asking for safety. That's your most dangerous area. That's trusting in God right there. So (laughs) pray for safety. Next and lastly, pray for salvation. Pray for salvation. Hummy's back there going, Keith, just stop. Just stop. Pray for salvation. Everything I said, he's going to tell you again, though. Pray for salvation. Yes, pray for the individual by name. You may not know who you're going to share with, but but pray right now. Lord, put me in the right people that you want me to share with. Place me in the right 
place where you want me to share with. Or maybe it's here. You know, hey, this person, Lord, you've given me. And Lord, I know I need to share with them. I pray for them, Lord. Give me an opportunity. Give me the boldness to share with John or whoever it is. Pray, I pray, Lord, that you give me that opportunity. Laborers, opportunity, boldness, success, safety, salvation. So you're wondering how to pray in your quiet time? In your time when you're just laying there in bed, you know, or you're having trouble going to sleep at night? Prayer is a great sleeping pill, I'm telling you right now. At least it is for me. Prayer, just start praying. Lord, I pray for laborers, Lord. And you know, if you pray for laborers, guess what the Lord's going to do? You, you're going to be the laborer. He's actually speaking to you. Pray for laborers. Pray for opportunity, boldness, success, safety, salvation. Pray for those things. Pray for those things. And in conclusion, the harvest, Jesus said this, the harvest is truly great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Luke 10, 2. And then lastly there, As we close, you need to work as if it all depended upon you. Wait a minute. Work? Keith, you just said works. Wait a minute. You need to work. You do. You need to work. We need to work as if it all depended upon you. But you're saying, well, but Keith, you said all depends upon God. It does. And that's why you need to pray as if it all depended upon God. You need to work as if it all depended upon you. Works and prayer. Works and salvation. They kind of go hand in hand. You need to work as if it all depended upon you. You need to pray as if it all depended upon God. All right, let's close in prayer. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for this bad news, good news approach. Lord, I pray for each and every individual here, Lord, that they take this, Lord. They make it their own, Lord. They learn it. They study it. They memorize it. And then, Father, adapt it to their personality. Lord, but use it for your glory. May hundreds, if not thousands, Lord, come to know your Son as their Savior as a result of this, Lord. May we be obedient to you, Lord. May you do good work, Lord, through these individuals. And I pray blessings upon them, Lord. I ask, Father, for boldness, Lord, as they are the laborers. Lord, I pray for opportunities as they go over there, that you place them in the right person, that you make them walk down the right trail, that it's not their decision of which trail, which house, which person, which bicycle rider, which market, which anything, Lord, it is you supernaturally placing them into the to the person that you desire that they share with. Lord, pray for opportunities for them. I pray for boldness, Lord. May you take away fear, Lord, as fear can be taken away from them. And in the end, Lord, may they depend upon you and your Holy Spirit as a way to commute the way to communicate to those people that are not in their own power. Give them the power only to step back and let your spirit do the talking, Lord. I pray for success, Lord. Again, I pray for hundreds, if not thousands, to come to your 
kingdom, Lord, to expand your kingdom, Lord, as a result of this time. And I pray for safety, Lord, those hygiene things, the van rides, all the preparation. Lord, the enemy, I pray that you close the enemy out of this whole mission trip, Lord, and that he does not have an effect, Lord. I pray for strength. I pray for the fruit of the Spirit. Lord, I pray for the full armor of God on these individuals here to defeat the evil one, Lord, so that they can walk in your ways over there. And Lord, then we pray for these individuals, Lord, whoever they are, whatever their names are, we pray for them, Lord. And we ask for them to be softened in their heart right now, even as we're sitting here, so that one day, Lord, in August, they can say, I came to know my Savior, and I will live with him forever in eternity. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.